are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. Welcome to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. This is going to feel a little bit weird. Mr. Nick View, what's happening, brother? Not much, man. You're not talking to yourself this episode. Yeah, no, you know, the good thing about talking to yourself is you're you're always right. So You're always right anyway. <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> no, it's no, good it, to be, go ahead. Oh, it's good to be back, brother. Um, yeah, good to catch up with you. It's been a been a while. Yeah, it's been a long while since we recorded together, and and I'll be honest, it's 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 going to feel weird going back and forth because the the first episode, first few episodes that I recorded solo, just you know, it just felt weird and awkward. So, uh, you know, I, I, we've been talking about you hopping back on here again, um, from time to time. And it just, everybody's so busy. It just hadn't worked out. Most of the time I record my, my 30 to 40 minute episodes during my lunch hour, you know, so, uh, not, not always easy to line things up, but we did want to get together cause we've, we've both had a little bit of success, um, so far this fall. I don't yeah. know if you're still even at it, but, I know I missed uh, Camp Classy this year. I, I didn't have enough vacation time. COVID bit me in the butt. But uh, you and at least a couple of guys got out there, right? Yeah, we did. Um, it was this year. You know, this camp was really weird, Steve. Um, for one, Camp Classy was at Allegan this year. Um, you know, I'm not going to go into where, but there's a big game area out there. And you have hunted that before with Tom and John's been out there. I had not been out there yet. I'd been out there with John one time and, and, uh, looked around. So it was a completely different location and it's a really nice property. Um, pretty big. And there's a lot of game area over that way anyway. Uh, you know, Kalamazoo area and whatnot. So, um, we, we decided to go out there, you know, we've hunted, uh, Yankee for a while and we just, we needed a change of pace and, and there's a lot of people hunting out there and, um, we, we wanted to change it up. So as much as we like that land, we wanted to, we wanted to try something different. Uh, so we committed to doing it and then, you know, kind of, we kind of started, people kind of started dropping off a little bit. Uh, Jamie did not join us this year, Burkhead, because Nathan went to, to college and, and, you know, Katie is very busy with high school and lots of things are going on with the fam. So he wanted to be closer. So he, he did not join us this year. Uh, you couldn't make it. Um, then Rob, unfortunately, Jones, his father passed. And it was, uh, it was very hard on him. He did come out Saturday night to, to say hi. And he did, uh, he did hunt once, uh, maybe twice, but you know, that was, it's kind of hard to do anything when something like that happens. Um, and then we just got rained out the weather, the weather was pretty bad. Like it rained solid from Thursday night into Friday uh, Saturday, like it, 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 Saturday is actually when it really hit Friday was okay, but Saturday, it really started coming down and you couldn't even, I think I walked out in the woods and, uh, with John Mudry and, and then I walked right back cause it started pouring. So it, it, it wasn't great. And I ended up talking to our dear friend, Tom, pretty much on Saturday is what I did. So before we called it quits, um, Friday was kind of similar, but anyway, it was weird in that regard. We had a beautiful day on Thursday 
And that really was camp that day. Like I came in on Thursday and the boys had already been hunting for a little bit. Um, John Bushin and John Mudry, and they were having, you know, a good time. Uh, but it was a little bit slow. And then I came in and, uh, shot a deer and then I didn't hunt again. <laughs> so tell me, uh, and I, I knew you, I knew you had had some luck, but. Tell me what happened. I mean, give me, give me the lowdown. I think you were, this was what your second from a tree stand. Uh, yeah. Second year in a row with a tree stand. Um, I mean, wasn't it your second deer with a tree stand? Se- yeah. Second deer with a tree stand. Actually, yep. now that I think about it, um, and it is public land we were hunting on and, uh, it, it kind of started out. I was in a, I was in kind of a really bad state of mind. I, I didn't even want to go out to camp. Um, we had, We've had a couple twin cats for like eight years, uh, Peso and Snowy, and the, and they were kind of like, almost like kids for us. You know, you know how it is with cats um, mm-hmm. and, and pets in general, you know. And uh, the one cat, you know, Peso, the male cat, um, he's always been kind of like my cat. I've been really close to him ever since he was really, really little. So, you know, I really love this cat. So anyway... We, uh, he was acting kind of funny that Sunday and, uh, kind of yowling and laying on the ground next to the water and really wouldn't do anything. So I said, uh Oh, and we, we took him into the animal ER and we thought it would be pretty routine. They said, yeah, he's blocked yeah, as the urethra is blocked and he's, he can't go to the bathroom. So we're going to have to catheter him and we're going to have to, we're going to have to do surgery. And well, you know, they put him, they put him under and, uh, his heart stopped. And they found out that he had a, like a palpitation or a, or a gallop, they called it, you know, basically, you know, just a heart murmur and they couldn't put him out. So they resuscitated him and they said, we'll put him on a diet, you know, we'll try that. But he has to go to PSP before he goes home. And long story short, he never, he never came home. So we were going to go pick him up on Wednesday night uh, and bring him home to the girls and you know, we had to wake him up and tell him we had to put him down and we had to, we all went there as a family and did it. And that was really, really hard. Uh, I never got, had to see kids react to, uh, the death of a pet before. Um, and like I said, this cat was really well loved. So it it was really tough. It it was really tough. There was a lot of crying and, you know, it was, I kind of wanted to stay with the family. I didn't want to go anywhere. I mean, yeah, it's just a cat to some people, but to us, it wasn't, it was a member of the family. So, you know, between, between that and what was going on with Rob and everything else, we weren't really in the camp mood. So, but, you know, Jess told me I should go and, and I agreed, you know, we got to go hang out and feel a little bit better. And, uh, so I ended up going out there and, and we slipped in that evening and, uh, you know, we picked up, picked a really nice spot in an opening. John and I paired up, uh, Bushin and, and there was a really nice opening with a lot of scrape activity and, and he went further in and I kind of stayed right there and, uh, picked a tree right above a couple straight or scrapes and kind of a gnarly tree. And, you know, I got about, you know, 15 feet up. I didn't go very high. Um, and it was a beautiful set. I posted some photos, uh, it was absolutely gorgeous. The color, I mean, the color in this year was popping in Michigan. It was, it was beautiful. 
Um, we didn't get that great of acorn drop or anything like that. Uh, we had between all the rain and then we had frost before that and stuff. We didn't get much of an acorn fall at all. So we kind of missed out on all that, but it has been really pretty sets and deer have been moving pretty good, you know, pretty regularly. So, you know, I went out and I had a, I had a good sit, you know, there was no activity whatsoever up until about a half an hour before dark. And for this, for some reason this year, everything's been happening at around six thirty or about a half an hour before dark, everything's been happening. So for me anyway, so, you know, I'm up in the tree, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out and it's getting dark and I'm, I'm deep in my thoughts and, you know, I decided to stand up because, you know, it is, uh, it's getting to be last light and I always stand up kind of like that last hour and just to be ready. And all of a sudden I heard rustling coming out right in front of me. Now, right in front of me, I had a big patch of brush, a lot of, you know, some, some, uh, dogwoods and some, some, a big brush pile and some, some bent over trees and stuff like that. So I couldn't really see anything behind it. It was almost like an Island and behind that was more field. And then it gave way to like a hardwood flat, you know, just a bunch of hoax, maples, beaches, stuff like that. So I'm watching and uh, I'm like, okay, well, I hear him coming. That's not a person, but there's more than one. And I kind of craned my head up a little bit to try to see over, over that brush. And I did, I saw two does come in and they were good sized does. Um, and they were definitely, they were definitely moving pretty good, but you know, they weren't like getting pushed or anything. They weren't wary. They were just coming into, to, you know, around the scrape area of coming into, to socialize whatever they were doing, but it was a pair of them. So I'm like, wow, this might happen. And, uh, Fortunately for me, they veered to the left and they, my left looking at them and they came around the brush right into my bow arm. And I didn't really think they were going to come in that way. I kind of thought they were going to come in. I was kind of set up more towards the front of me and to the right of me. Um, because on the left side of me, I had a bunch of vines and stuff hanging there. I had to actually cut a hole you know, through some vines. So I'd have a shot angle and I had to kind of hold my bow. Like I I couldn't, it it wasn't the greatest position to shoot. It it, it was fine to shoot, but you know me, I've got that pretty drastic cant to my shooting and I got to lean over and it it was kind of hard to do that where, where that was just because I was afraid of bow limbs hitting, but that's where they came. And, and I said, okay, if that, those are decent. Those are good sized does, the biggest does I've ever seen to shoot at. And I'm going to shoot one of them. And as soon as it comes out from around this bush, I'm going to do it. And I saw nose well noses, and then they came out and it was the perfect opportunity to take a shot. They were, they were quartered to the left. Um, they were still facing a little bit, but they were quartered to the left. And, uh, you know, I picked that, I picked that spot, but I didn't lean over quite as much as I wanted to. And my bow wasn't as candid as usual because of the situation I was in. And the arrow went a little bit high as a result and a little too forward. And it, it was actually, you know, it, it, it was a pass through. I saw the arrow. So what the arrow actually did, and I found this later 
was it went up above the scapula, below the spine, didn't clip tenderloin somehow, I don't know how, went through that cavity, did a bunch of damage, and then out the bottom, like through the other shoulder basically not through the shoulder but through the rib cage and out below the other shoulder and the leg so it, it that was the angle it kind of went through and it made two really big holes because I was uh, I was using a real I, I basically my setup was I had a I had a black eagle carbon and I had about 300 grains maybe more worth of grizzly on the end uh, left single bevel and it did it did the job but I thought it was a bad hit and it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. Like the arrow went in and then it kind of came back when the deer moved and I'm like, Oh man, it didn't get very good penetration. It's just sticking out there. And then I didn't see it when it ran away and you know, they both peeled out. One went to the left, one went to the right. And man, this deer was trucking Steve. Like I was like, this is not going to be good because this deer is running so fast and so far. I thought, I'm like, this thing's going to clear 300 yards before I even get a chance to do anything with the way it was moving. So, you know, I, uh, I got the jitters. I was like, oh man, this, this might not be good, but that's what I usually happens to me. You know, I sat down for a minute, you know, I gathered myself and climbed down and then I, uh, then I kind of got all my stuff together and sat there and waited for John to walk out. Uh, I wanted to give the deer a little time. So I gave it you know, 20 to 30 minutes to, before we even did anything. And John came walking in and he goes, Hey, so, you know, I asked him, I said, well, Hey, did you see anything? And he goes, no, I didn't, you know, I, I heard something or whatever. He goes, what about you? He goes, yeah, I shot one. And he just looked at me. <laughs> he goes, are you serious? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, I, cause I've kind of known now for coming into camp and either shooting one the first sit or the last sit or, or, you know, whatever that is. But I've, I'm kind of being referred to as the lucky one in camp now. Um, but we went out and I didn't see any blood at first and it made me a little nervous. Um, actually I was real nervous. Uh, we had a lot of leaf clutter and a lot of red leaf clutter. And I was like, this isn't brown and red. And you know that it's just not a good combination. And it was dark. And I was like, man, this is not, this is not ideal. And when I didn't see blood right away leading up to that from that bush where I shot it leading up to the probably the 30 yards to the tree line, I was like, oh, man, I don't know how good I hit this thing. And they asked me what was going on. So Mudry joined us. Mudry is a very good blood tracker. Um, he got to work right away on it. We both did. We we finally found he found some blood. I, I went too deep into the woods thinking it went too deep and he went kind of shallow to where the deer cut and he found blood first and you know kind of like the what kind of happened was that I had done enough damage but it didn't bleed a lot right away I was getting like specks of blood little teeny specks and then they got better and they got better and they got better and this thing wound all over the place I mean it was everywhere um, and John did a really nice job just kind of anticipating where he thought the deer would go and there'd be blood there. And he was looking more for disturbances more than he was for blood. And that's how we're really, that's how we found it. But him and John Bushin and I, we, we did the whole, okay, here's blood stand here. The next person go up. Okay. Here's blood again, stand here, come on up. And we just kept on 
you know, John was marking the blood on his onyx. So we would have the, the trail. And we did that until the blood got really good at the base of a field. And we were like, okay, it ran into this other open field. And by then it's, you know, pitch black. And we couldn't find any blood in the field and didn't know where it went. And then we started walking out into the middle of the field and we saw it. And, uh, it was, it was crumpled up right there. And she had basically just died by the time, you know, she hadn't been dead very long. So it was probably, I would say over a hundred and some yards for a retrieve. But if, if, it, if you would have straightened it out, it'd have been a wow. lot long, longer, but it, it was like, it, the way it weaved in between the woods and stuff, if you just straightened that out, it would have been a lot longer than that. Um, but yeah, he did a really good job and I don't think I'd have found it without them. Um, you know, it was, it, it was quite a kind of an emotional thing for me. And, uh, John and I, uh, it ended up being about 125, 130 pound doe, which is the biggest doe I've ever shot. And, um, John, John, uh, we felt every bit of that when John Bushin and I hauled it out and, uh, we had over a mile to trek it back to camp. Uh, and it was all dense brush and stuff until we got onto the trail. But, um, yeah, it, it ended up turning up out really well. And, you know, I, I, since it was so warm, I had to go and actually get ice on it. I didn't even hang it up. I went home, I went into town, got ice, packed it in the cavity and left it. And then I went home immediately and processed it the next day. So that was pretty much the extent of my hunting because when I came back, it just, it was just raining the entire time. And I was the only one that really got a, uh, really got a shot at anything. Um, you know, there had been other deer seen and chasing, but we, we never really, nobody really got a shot at anything. Um, so I was very fortunate and you know, it, it was, it was pretty cool because that's the third year, even Tom brought it up because is that the third year in a row that you've got a deer? And on public, mm-hmm. I was like in camp. Yeah. Yeah. That's my third year. So I thought that was pretty cool. That was a bit of a milestone for me. Um, but you know, I get by with a little help from my friends and I'm very fortunate to have the wonderful people in camp that I have, you know, who drop everything to help out. Um, even though they probably hate me right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome though, man. That's, uh, and it's, uh, Sometimes, sometimes those, I mean, obviously we always want a short, we we want a short trail, short recovery, but sometimes those, those harder to track deer, they, they mean a little bit more and, and you learn a little bit more. So, and I did, but, but yeah. congrats. Yep. And the biggest thing, Steve, and I put it on my, on the traditional outdoors, uh, community page when I posted the deer was that the biggest thing for me, like, you know, I haven't been hunting out of a tree stand very long. I, when I did hunt this year, I hunted quite a bit before that. And I always with the tree stand this year, I'm getting a lot better at it. The whole process to me is, has become a lot easier. And I've learned a lot about just what, just, you know, taking it slow and sweating less and, and, you know, trekking what you're trekking in and how you're putting it up and just being diligent and and patient on getting up and down the tree that I did very well this year. And I just haven't had a lot of shot opportunities out of a tree stand on deer. Um, this is my second and I've killed two deer, both of them, not great hits, um, but that got the job done. Um, last year's was a little back this year's was a little forward and a little high, although I know why, 
Um, and I learned about tree stand placement and I learned about shot placement from a tree stand and all of that's going to help me out a lot in the future. So I'm very thankful for it. Well, and it's, uh, I, you know, I've, I've, I've had a little bit of success too, and I want to get into that in a second, but, um, you know, it's funny this morning, uh, I actually did shoot another deer. I'm not going to go into that one right now, but to say very much a very similar situation. And the reason I'm not going into that one, I'm actually going to do a complete podcast episode just on that deer because of the situation. So I'm not going to go into that one, but we've all had those, those difficult tracks. So congratulations on, on finding it. It's funny. Um, the first deer I took this year, surprisingly, that one was similar too. And it was something I haven't done in over 20 years. It was a different weapon. Um, but before I go to that, I did, um, and I think I may have talked about it. I went up on some public land. Um, oh, when was that late October, I think. Um, and actually, had a buck come in, took a shot. The I shot too low. And I mean, it was a really close shot, but I, I figured as close as he was, he was going to drop. And he just stood there stone still and air grazed his chest and took off a handful of hair. Um, but not, not one speck of blood. He, he trotted off a little ways, looked back, looked around like, what the heck was that? Um, but then uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, was going up to visit with, uh, my brother, his wife, my dad and his wife. <clears throat> and, uh, I bought my North Carolina lifetime sportsman this year. So I figured, you know what, I'd like to go up there and hunt. So I haven't hunted on the, the farm I grew up on in, I don't know, over 20 years. And, um, went up there, drove up Thursday night. And this was the weekend that the uh, hurricane, the second hurricane hit Florida. This was Nicole and went up the, the East coast. So, um, they were calling for rain all day on Friday and I was planning on hunting all day on Friday, you know, Nick's luck, right? The rain followed me. <laughs> um, but, uh, as I was driving up, I kept checking the, cause you know, hurricanes, tropical storms, they move pretty quick and it actually looked like that today was not going to be a washout. So I got up the next morning, um, left the hotel, drove over to my dad's and it was, it was raining, but it wasn't horrible. So, um, and I was, I started to mention this, I was actually going to be hunting with, um, a muzzleloader on Friday and I wasn't sure yet what I was going to do the, the other two days I was there, but, um, grabbed my muzzleloader, grabbed my gear, got to my dad's and I, I, I bought some, uh, Columbia rain suit a few years ago and I've only had a chance to use it a couple of times, but it does a real good job. So I grabbed my rain jacket, threw it in my pack and headed down for a spot that I had, me and my brother had looked at when I was up there back, uh, I don't know, September, I guess. And, uh, climbed up in a tree and it proceeded about every 30 to 45 minutes, just, you know, well, those rain bands would come in and it just, uh, the bottom would fall out. And I, I dig my rain jacket out and I'd put it on I'd sit there and it'd stop and I'd take it back off. And, uh, I don't know, the third or fourth time it was around eight 30, um, started thundering and lightning and just as hard a rain as I've ever set in, in my life. And I'm, I'm, I've got, I've got this, this 
rain jacket hoodie pulled over my head and literally it's just a stream of water coming off the, the, and I'm thinking, this is just ridiculous. Um, and I was just getting ready that, that heavy shower passed and I was just getting ready to take my rain jacket off again. And I looked to my right and there's, there's three does just standing there. And I think they had seen me, but I wasn't sure. So I, I brought the muzzle loader up and you could tell that the, the, one doe in the middle was like the biggest doe. I mean, she, her body was just bigger than the other two. Mm-hmm. And I drew a, I drew a bead and eased the hammer back and pulled the trigger. And that thing went, and that was all it did. The, the little primer thing went off and the powder was just soaked. It never, it never fired. Oh. And I sat there and watched them run off. And, uh, so then I, I sat there and thought about, well, what do I do? And I could hear another, um, rain band coming. And I just said, that's it. I'm done. So I climbed down and, uh, pulled my stand and all my gear down as I went. And it was only a few hundred yards up to my dad's house. So I drove back up to the house and was expecting to find him and my brother, you know, working, doing something. And, and they were gone and sent my brother a text. And he said they were on their way to, uh, Danville, Virginia to get a part for one of the tractors or something. And so I, I, Sat there for a minute and I pulled my, my tools out and I, I dumped the powder out of that muzzle loader and took the ramrod and, and some paper towel and, and dried it out as best I could. And, and I reloaded it. And uh, I figured there's on my dad's farm, uh, there's three little fields. And we all, me and my brother used to always hunt these little, they're only like three quarters of an acre and they're, they're, they're spread out by a few hundred yards. Um, one of them we always called the lower barn field because it was there was a tobacco barn there and it was at the the lower side of the property. The the one that was in the middle, we always, you know, really bright names or smart names for the we called it the middle field. And then the the third of these little fields has a uh seventeen hundreds era um graveyard and we called it the graveyard field. Oh, very interesting. So uh so anyway, I headed out to, um, towards this, this graveyard field and I figured I would start just slipping around the edge and, and I'm walking along and I'm, I've got my binoculars and I'm looking and I caught something move and through my binoculars, I finally made out that it was a, it was a deer and I'd seen the ear flick and it was a, it was a buck, but it was facing straight towards me. Um, and the more I sat glassing, I finally figured out there was two more deer down below it. I never did make out what those were, but I just started working, you know, around the edge. I actually backed up, made a semicircle and then started working in towards him. Um, and I finally got within about 50 yards and I was trying to decide if I was going to try to get closer and his angle was still not great. But while I was sitting there trying to decide what to do, he turned. And when he turned, I brought the muzzleloader up and this time it fired and you know, the smoke, it was hard to see, but it looked like it just knocked him down. I mean, it, it, but all of a sudden then I could see he was moving again and he made a little semicircle and went back in the woods and it was so wet from the hurricane. I couldn't hear anything. I mean, there was no leaves. There was nothing. And mm-hmm. then everything was quiet again. So short, long story short, um, I couldn't find any blood. I could find where he tore up the field or uh, the, the ground running when he ran out and did that little semicircle out to the edge of the field. I mean, he only went into the opening, maybe five foot. Um, 
And then he was right back in the woods and I could see where the ground was tore up, but I could not find any uh, blood. So I started doing little uh, sweeps, just semicircles into the woods. And each time I got a little bit deeper and I I just never found any blood. And I said, I just missed this thing. Um, And I was just about to give up. And I said, you know what? I'm going to make one last big sweep down towards a little drainage area. Um, and I went all the way to the bottom of the field, went in the woods and started my way back and I didn't go 20 feet and there he lay. So, um, don't know why he just, he just never bled, but that 50 caliber muzzleloader put the whammy on him. Um, and he ended up being a a really nice eight point first deer I've taken up there in North Carolina. And like I said, well over 20 years, probably pushing 30. Oh, how Um, cool. And it was and it was first one I'd shot with anything other than a, a longbow or recurve in over twenty years. So, it was really really cool to 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 experience that again. And and I must admit I really enjoyed it. I'll probably be doing some more of it. Was that um, any now? Was that any less of an experience for you because you got it with a muzzleloader or or no? Um, you know, so that's hard. Let me answer that when I tell the next story, uh, cause okay. I did get another, and I got another, so that was on, uh, Friday. I'd have to go back and look at the exact date, but it was a, it was a Friday. I had Saturday and Sunday to hunt at my dad's. I came back home Sunday and I hunted some public land on, on Monday and had some success there. Um, oh. but I will say this, I shot a doe and I'm going to go into that a little bit, but I shot a doe. With my longbow, um, with the uh, Yankee, and I must admit, I was probably more excited. I know I was more excited about the doe than I was that eight-point buck, even though it was a you know a buck and a nice deer. But yeah, you can't you can't diminish uh, taking something with a longbow. The load was fun, and I'd love to do it again. I love smelling the smoke, and I'll probably end up hunting some with a firearm. Uh, which I did while I was in North Carolina. Didn't didn't shoot anything. I passed a couple, but um, yeah, it's definitely a, a more of an adrenaline rush with a longbow than anything else. So yeah, so yeah, so then uh, Friday came. Well, I came back. Uh, excuse me. So came back Sunday, and then Monday I had planned. If you remember. Uh, it was actually the, the same area that I hunted when I skinned the, the sh- or shaved the buck's chest. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's where I put that trail camera up on public land up in North Georgia back in 21 that I did the YouTube video for. Um, so I'm trying to only hunt that three times, once every 30 days or so. I really do not want to screw it up. Um and even more so after I found out some other things as far as the amount of pressure that area is getting. But where I'm at, there's nobody. But anyway, so I, I headed up there uh, that Monday morning, um, left my house like at 3.30. It's an hour drive for me. Um, I get up there, park my vehicle, hike in. I have to cross a, a, a pretty big creek um, and pretty much planned anything I, I shot up there. I was not going to try to drag it out. I was going to quarter it. So I had game bags with me and all that stuff. But, uh, I, I get up in, in the area, I, I pick a tree, I get set up. I was even leaving that early by the time I got to where I was hunting. Cause it's about three miles from where I park. Um, and not, not an easy three miles. Um, it was already getting light and, 
I sat down to cool off, um, had my bow ready, you know, everything was ready. I sat down to cool off and after I, after I'd gotten, uh, cooled down, I started, you know, getting a chill. So I figured I'd, I'd get my vest. So I'm, I'm standing up and I ease my, my wool vest out of my pack just as carefully as I can. And I swear I'd never heard these deer, but I, I heard something and, and looked and there's all I see is at least five, maybe six white tails. They were right in front of me. I never heard them. I mean, and they just tore off to, you know, areas unknown. Uh, so I thought, well, that was real good. But the previous time I'd been in there, I actually ended up seeing uh, 11 or 12 deer that morning. So I went in and got my vest on, got settled in. I said, you know, maybe something else will be along. And, um, sure enough, maybe 30 minutes later, I heard footsteps. So I get ready. Um, and, and it was kind of like, you remember the blind I built for you on McGraw Ford? Yeah. That real uh, cool. You like had um, like three, uh, had a, Right. And you had like a four foot window to shoot. Yeah. That, uh, that umbrella blind that had the, uh, yeah, the, the, the major reward, the, the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, sapper, the infamous sapling shot. Yep. So I had, I had a little bit more opportunity than that, but not much. And this doe was on top of me. I never got the camera turned on or maybe I did get it turned on, but then I, I couldn't get the, um, I could, I didn't have time to locate and press the record button. Anyway, I never got this on, on video, but you know, she came down that, that same trail offered me a, you know, 12, 12, 14 yard shot and, uh, hit anchor, let fly look, looked like a really good shot. She tore off and I, I thought I heard her go down, but, um, there's a lot of noise, a lot of background noise where I'm hunting. And I'm going to leave it at that because I really do not want to give this spot away. But um, I thought I heard her go down, but I wasn't 100% sure. So uh went ahead and sat there a little bit longer and ended up having a, a buck come through. Another group of does came in. In fact, I got video footage of six more, five or six more does that were within 10 yards of me. Um, but because of where I was at, the amount of time it was going to take to get this thing out. And I had, um, because anyway, that's another long story. You were talking about cats. Bella's got two cats. One of them ha- is diabetic and has to have insulin twice a day. The other one's got a thyroid condition and has to have thyroid medication every day. So when I go out of town, I have to board them. And mm. I was scheduled to pick them up before five o'clock that afternoon. So I had to be at my vehicle no later than three. Um, so anyway, I think I ended up climbing down about 11 and she didn't go 60 yards. She had piled up. Um, uh, so ended up dressing her out there in the woods, did, you know, went the, the gutless method and completely quartered her out, um, put her in game bags and quickly found out that my best laid plans were crap. Um, <laughs> I had my, I had my stand. I had four climbing sticks. I had my clothes from the morning. All of that is on my Kifaru frame with a pack. I had my camera gear, which is a, a really lightweight camera arm, camera, microphone, all that stuff. Um, and now I've got a, now I've got a deer and I tried three different times to get this thing into my pack frame with all my other gear. And it just wasn't happening. I mean, if it had been level ground, yeah, maybe, 
but as rugged as it was, it was just a broken ankle, broken leg, twisted knee, something was just imminent if I'd kept pushing. So I managed to finally get all my gear down, back down to the Creek. Um, and I didn't even go back to where I crossed the Creek coming in, which is a, an easy place to cross. I just said to heck with it and trudged across water a little over knee deep. Um, carried my, my pack frame, my stand, my camera gear, back to the vehicle, um, then turned around, emptied everything out of my pack frame, deadheaded back. Um, anyway, by, when all was said and done for a deer that I shot at nine o'clock, I got everything to the vehicle and pulled out of the parking lot at quarter to two. Um, so it was, and I was just, I was beat. Um, Man, that's a day's work and then some. That that was, uh, and that did look like really rugged country and very. Well, steep. you saw that you saw the slope. I mean, it was. <laughs> oh yeah, littered with trees and all kind. Yeah, definitely. And and one wrong step, and you're going. You know, you're you're potentially going a couple hundred feet straight down. Mm-hmm. Crazy. But but that terrain is what that that terrain's what creates the the pinch point that I'm hunting. So. Mm-hmm. Not not complaining about it. Now I'm planning to go back. Uh, Tom is coming down in um, a few weeks. He'll be down here the week of the fifteenth. I don't uh, of December. Um, so I will be taking Tom back to that area uh, when he's here in a couple of weeks. Um, and I haven't decided yet exactly what I'm going to do. I think it's. I think the area is long enough that we can both hunt it. We'll just be separated by a few hundred yards and we'll probably be seeing and have the opportunity to shoot at the same deer. Um, but that'll be the last time I hunt it this year. I will not go back. Um, I do plan on going back in next, you know, in February, March and, um, picking out a few different hunt locations along the same corridor, maybe cutting a few minor shooting lanes. I really hate to do that. I don't want to draw any attention to it. And I'm probably going to put some cameras up at, you know, 12, 14 feet up in a tree pointing down. Um, well, it's just amazing. It's just amazing how much traffic there is in this one area. It's unbelievable. Hmm. Um, and I say that everywhere you walk, on this piece of public land, there's, there's sign. I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. Um, but I did hunt that this past Saturday. Is that right? Saturday or Sunday morning. I can't remember now. Um, and I was hunting a different area that has a lot of good sign and I didn't see anything except my breath. I I about froze. I mean, I was, Oh, I was so (laughs) cold. Um, 20, 20 low twenties, but, 15 mile an hour winds and it just cut through me. I didn't, I didn't carry enough clothes in. Um, wow. so, but anyway, and then today is what the 22nd. And again, I did, I did shoot another deer this morning. Um, recovered it. It's actually, in fact, sometime this afternoon, I'm going to carry it. I've, I processed the first two myself. Um, but I'm carrying this one. I will, I want to get some summer sausage made and so forth. And I just don't have the, I just don't have the time. So I'm going to try to find somebody I can pay to do that one. But very cool. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going to hit it again. I don't know when, um, it's a little bit different here. Now you can pretty much hunt gun anything till the end of the year. Um, I got my grand Valley hunt coming up. I might do that. Um, because we'll probably do Christmas around here this year. 
and uh, we're we're already a, uh, under a blanket of snow here now. It's uh, really pretty, but it wow. got cold and a lot of a lot of snow, and I haven't really been out. Um, I did see that uh, a lot of my friends have have taken deer with uh, guns for gun season. Um, John Mudry shot a really nice ten point just the other day after a snowstorm. So it's nice to see them getting out and and getting after it. And I've had the urge. I just haven't really had the, uh, the opportunity lately. So, you know, so we'll be, we'll be getting back there though. Well, and I'm, I'm so, and we'll, we'll wrap this up pretty quick. I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole here, but you know, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be getting back into a little bit of gun hunting. I won't, just for various reasons, I won't be doing much. Part of that is, um, you know, the land that the, the land that I really love to hunt is, is archery only. Um, we do have managed hunts on some of the WMAs here close by that are like three and four day hunts. Um, and I will hunt some of those with a firearm. Um, I picked up a, uh, I've got a couple of handguns that I picked up that I want to hunt with. I've got a, a TC Encore that's a 24 inch barrel 280 Remington I haven't even had a chance to get it sighted in so it won't be used this year um, my brother has really got me hooked on uh, ARs now he uh, <laughs> so I gotta tell you this it's really cool my brother I love him to death he um, so he's a retired U.S. Marine mm-hmm. and he was talking to me about we were talking about building an AR back in the summer when I was up there and so I bought a stripped lower receiver, bought the lower parts kit and completely built, you know, the, the, the lower receiver by hand. So trigger springs, the pivot pins, all this stuff. I'd never done it before. And I learned a lot and really cool and very simple design. And while I was talking to Mike about it, I said, you know, what I'd really like to do is build a replica, uh, M 16, like he carried while he was in the Marine Corps. So Long story short, through various parts that he had and, and some things that he pulled together, when I went up there uh, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, he had a completed upper receiver. So the the bolt carry group, the receiver, the charging handle, a 16, I think 16-inch barrel with a uh, flash suppressor and then the, the military-style handguard on it with the front ramp sight. Um, and he had tried to put together the carrying handle rear sight for me, but he went to make an adjustment and lost a little bearing that goes in it. So I had to buy one of those, but regardless, um, it looks just like the, the M16 that he carried. Um, the only difference being it doesn't have the burst. It's still just a semi-auto. Um, but then before I left, and this was the really cool part, uh, we were down in his basement talking and he said, well, uh, how you like it? And I told him, I said, this is really cool. I can't wait to shoot it. And he said, well, I got something else for you. And he reached around, um, and pulled out a, a little plastic bag, a little 16 inch long, I guess, plastic bag out of his gun safe. And he said, I want you to have this to go with it. And I opened it up and it was a, um, Ontario knife company, USMC issued, um, bayonet for the the M16. Oh, so very cool. Looks like a, yeah, it looks like a big Bowie knife, right? But it's uh-huh. it's a bayonet clamps onto the front of the. I mean, it it like I said, it's just really cool. So now I'm waiting on a. Um, I've got a field repair kit or a field cleaning kit that's coming that that fits in the buttstock of the A2 buttstock. So that's coming, and I've got a um, the same style 
uh, sling that he used when he was in the Marine Corps. That's, that's actually coming. And once those two pieces show up, I'll have a complete replica again, except for the, uh, mine doesn't, my receiver shows burst fire, but you can't build a burst fire. So it, it's only a semi-auto. Um, it's, and I wouldn't want one anyway. That's too much trouble, but, uh, right. that you're looking to get into. But anyway, to look at it, 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 you can't tell the difference. So it's really cool. And now I've got another lower receiver that I've built out. And yesterday I ordered a, uh, upper receiver in 300 blackout that I'm really excited about and may end up getting a contender, uh, or an encore barrel in that same caliber to shoot with a handgun. But anyway, I can sit and talk about that stuff for, for two or three hours, but <laughs> I've, I've kind of found a love for a lot of things that I just, I didn't really lose my love for them. I just really got so absorbed into, uh, traditional bow hunting that I'd, I kind of forgot how much I did enjoy those other styles of hunting, um, in moderation. I'll never do a lot of it, but it is kind of cool. I love the smell of smoke, <laughs> well, powder smoke. Well, for a fellow that was in a funk, it sounds like everything is getting funky near the end here. You're really picked up. Oh yeah. I mean, in the last, you know, in the last two or three weeks, I've, I, in fact, that the, the deer that I took this morning is going, uh, uh, it's going to a processor just because I'm I'm about wore out of of trimming deer and and going through the grinder and all that stuff. So I'm gonna right. take a break on this one and I'm gonna get it processed and then we'll see what the rest of the season brings. Because I've still got well on the property I was on this morning. I've got until the end of January, so I've still got a lot of time left if I choose to. Very cool. Well, I am so happy for you that you've had all the success that you had you had, and I can't wait to hear the story about this other deer too. Yeah, I may record that one. Uh, I was going to hunt tomorrow, but now I may go ahead and just record that one and get that episode banked for, you know, the week after Thanksgiving. But, uh, anyway, I told you I wasn't going to keep you an hour and we're, we're getting awful close. So, um, we'll wrap this one up, but I do want to tell you and all the listeners, I hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving. You're going out of town, right? Yeah, we're heading down to Kentucky. My in-laws are officially moved to uh, Bardwell now. So, and you know, they said they got a lot of deer on the property on their 10 acres and they're kind of encouraging me to get a, to get a tag. Um, but I haven't even had a chance to see how much they are and I don't know if I want to deal with it, but, uh, I'd probably just, whatever I shot, I'd leave there, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, if you get a chance to get out, I hope you, I hope you have a blast and wish you all the luck. Um, Kentucky's another state I'm actually looking at. Well, there's other states I'm looking at maybe buying additional lifetime tags in if I can. I don't know. I don't know if Kentucky's one that offers it or not, but uh, I will definitely be doing more hunting in North Carolina next year. I'm I'm planning on uh, February March time frame going up and spending a long weekend up in the uh, western mountains of North Carolina, kind of down in the foothills of those mountains. But um, it's only a couple hours from the house, so I'm actually hoping to do a good bit of hunting up there next year. But anyway. If you get out, I hope you I hope you have some luck, man. Yeah, I'll keep you posted. You too. All right. Well, for everyone listening, thank you so much for sticking with us, and we will have more content for you very soon. Take care, all. <laughs>